The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Amplifier Advisors, LLC, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, millennials. Many of them are young and they're not married. They don't have kids and they're work martyrs, if you've heard that term now coming up. Uh, they don't take vacations. They perceive that they're so important in their companies that they, they can't leave. Luckily for us, the millennials take more risks, take more chances. So what we're seeing is that generation is leading the charge for the talent base here in the D.C. area. Millennials are not motivated by money. We're motivated by mission. Millennials are going to work for companies and buy products because of the core mission. Millennials care about three things. People, the profit, but of course the planet. Today's show is going to expose you to how millennials are changing the workplace and changing Washington, D.C. Expertise is going to come your way from Dawn Leon. She is executive residence at the Kogod School of Business. Kogod's been following the demographic trends of millennials and how they are engaging and being part of the workforce. We're now going to have a voice for the entrepreneur and the millennials in the workforce. Gabrielle Boucher is America's millennial expert. We're going to talk with her about the five biggest myths that many share about how millennials approach work. And speaking of work, cybersecurity is an enormous opportunity in this region. Chris Camacho is the CEO of Ninja Jobs. He's going to talk about how and why there are enormous opportunities to be a cyber entrepreneur professional here in the nation's capital and how millennials play a part in that trend. That's what's in store for you in this week's episode. So who or what is a millennial? It's a term we often hear used to describe the local workforce. To unpack that for us is an expert, Dawn Leone. She is executive in residence at Kogod School of Business at American University, and they just published a new survey, a continuation of a trend survey of millennial behavior here in the D.C. area. Well, let's start with the basics. Many of our listeners may not know who or what is a millennial. Well, a millennial is the name given to a generation of people born between 1981 and approximately 1999. Some of them are just finishing high school right now. Many of them are in college. They go all the way up to people who are uh, 35, 36 years old. So it's a very large generation. And what's very important is that in the next three years, they are going to become 50% of the workforce. It is a huge bubble of the population. And as boomers retire, the millennials are taking over. I didn't hear boomers are ever going to retire, but maybe that's a conversation for another day. Uh, why does understanding a generational group matter so much? Well, that's a good question, whether it matters or not. You hear a lot in the media about millennials. It's always been very interesting. This is a tech generation. They've grown up with smartphones in their hands. So there's a lot of topics that come up about how they're different. They want foosball tables at work. They're, they're very environmentally friendly. They're focused on social advocacy. Many pithy things come up. And what we are endeavoring to do is figure out what, what the substance is with millennials and what they want in a place to live and work. So we heard from the business community that they wanted to, some real answers, not just these pithy headlines that come out about millennials. And we also know now that millennials are tired of being labeled millennials. <laughs> it, it's a lot of people. They span 20 years. They're very unique. They're not just a monolith. Well, it's interesting to me. So you point that out. I, I teach one of the local business schools uh, and come in contact with a lot of, of students. And you're absolutely right. There's this fatigue because mm. particularly, I think, the baby boomers uh, 
are labeling and, and stigmatizing almost this large group of people having attributes that many of them do not even have. It's it's fascinating to watch, but I think every generation does it, right? Yes. Um, when you talk about generations, though, it, it seems to me as an entrepreneur and, and an investor, one of the things I really care about, if I understand demographics, I can create a, um, a customer archetype. So I can make a prediction that if I service this particular peer, person, a million other people be similar. And I assume that when you start to look at categorizing people by generation, what you're really trying to get at is how as an employer, I, I can make some predictions about what type of work workplace I need to have or what progression looks like. Is, is that why that's so important to understand a millennial generation? Well, it's definitely important. As we said, they're going to be a huge chunk of the workforce. And there are a couple of things that are legitimately different about this group. Uh, one is that they really believe in work-life integration as opposed to work-life balance. And this is where you hear some of the negative stereotypes coming from the Gen X or baby boomer managers. Um, millennials are used to blurring the line between all parts of their life, whether it be going to school, uh, their social lives, or work. So they're always on their phones. They're always connected. So sometimes they want to leave at 530 at night to go to their yoga class or happy hour, but they're going to be plugged in later because they've got their email on their phone continuously. When they're at the gym at six o'clock the next morning, they might be re reading something for work. So to them, what they want is, uh, and they actually what they expect is technology to be integrated throughout the workplace they don't want to be doing tedious tasks because they expect all that to be taken care of with, with apps or hacks or what have you. Um, and they want respect for the fact that they are working hard. They do care. They want to make a difference immediately. They're very impatient that way. They don't want to wait around 20 years before they're in a position of leadership and can make a real impact. So again, what you hear from some of the managers is that they are la lazy or self-entitled, and that's not really the case at all. They just have a much more fluid definition of how to integrate their lives with technology and their social, the social side of their lives. It's interesting because as you describe it, frankly, that's a much more authentic way to describe what it's like to be a knowledge worker in today's world. I, you know, I find that this whole idea of work-life balance that so many baby booners have been raised on is just a fiction. You know, there's no such thing if you're an entrepreneur or heavily engaged in a career, everything's right. out of balance. So do you think that millennials have a more realistic view as to what their career is supposed to look like and are more likely to be able to deal with the stress of this rapidly changing economy? You know, one very important thing about their outlook is uh, many of the millennials graduated into recession. So when they came out of college, they came into a place where unemployment was high, uh, credit tightened up. Uh, they also have unprecedented student loan burdens. So and they're looking around and they're watching people lose their homes. They're watching people lose their jobs. You hear a lot about Social Security going under and no, um, you know, no retirement savings. So they're actually pretty cautious. And they also realize that nothing is guaranteed in the workplace. So they give as much loyalty, if you will, as they feel coming back from the company. And let's be honest, in today's world, there are very few companies out there who are about keeping people for 30 or 40 years and giving them what they want. Yeah. So I think they see themselves as individual players. Uh, they know that they will probably have to move around the country, possibly, in order to uh, progress their careers. Um, millennials are the most educated generation we've ever seen. Over a quarter of them have bachelor's degrees. Many of them go on to higher education. So they see education as a way to get somewhere. They're managing their careers. 
they're doing their jobs. They're actually working very hard. Uh, many of them are young and they're not married. They don't have kids and they're work martyrs. If you've heard that term mm -hmm. now coming up, uh, they don't take vacations. They perceive that they're so important in their companies that they, they can't leave. So they're working very hard and they're also managing their career and making sure they're taking care of themselves. So they're actually more likely to be investing retirement savings and in 401ks than previous generations were at their age. So they're very different from the stereotypes that are being thrown upon them. That is abundantly clear. You've just completed this survey. There's no substitute for good data. Give me a few quick data points that came out of your survey that you think are particularly important. Overall, I think the, the biggest, most interesting finding is that millennials are not from, a, from planet foosball. <laughs> they are exactly like previous generations. What they care about most is having a job, having a good salary, being safe, so they worry about the crime rate, and they're very concerned about housing costs because they've seen that uh, as they get older, they're definitely doing things later than previous generations are. It's always true that more educated people tend to put off getting married and having children later, and millennials are, are they're having fun in their early 20s. They're completing their education. But now, as they get older, they are focused on where can I see myself raising a family and can I afford a house? And a stunning 36% of the people we talked to this year who make over $150,000 a year do not feel like they can afford to buy a house in this area. Dawn, before I let you go, where can we find a copy of this great report? Uh, you can find it online. Just Google COGOD, K-O-G-O-D, Millennial Index. And you should find a link uh, at the American University site, and you'll be able to read the entire thing in PDF format. And there should be a link to the first one we had as well. Great resource for all of you who are wondering where and how to attract great workers that are out there. Don Leone, executive in residence at the Kogod School of Business. Thanks for sharing your expertise with us today. Thank you. Demographics and generational cohorts shape our society. The millennial generation has entered the workforce and is changing the way work is done, much to the surprise and potentially the chagrin of baby boomers and Gen Y and Gen Xers. Gabriella Beauchet is America's millennial expert. She's joining us to talk about this significant trend and reveal and debunk the five biggest myths that many of us have about the millennial generation. Gabrielle, thanks for joining us. We're going to get right in it. A lot of my peers think that millennials are entitled. What do you think of that? Yeah, entitlement is the number one myth that other generations have about millennials. And I talk about it in my newly released book, Five Millennial Myths. The truth is that millennials are not entitled. I call it ambition misdirected. Millennials have been told from a very young age that we can do anything that we want and be anything that we want. And guess what? We listened. And now we're walking into the boardroom thinking that we can do whatever we want and be whatever we want. So really millennials aren't necessarily entitled. We have a high level of confidence. We're excited about being in the workforce and leaders today should take advantage of that excitement and ambition and direct it towards a positive uh, goal or ambition. So if you raise somebody to think that they can be empowered to be surprised that they want to be empowered. Right, it's, right. It's it is, of, you got to own your stuff, baby yeah, boomers. You, you know, and, and I think that uh, one of my favorite quotes is by a parenting expert, Haim Greeno from the 50s, and he says, we often criticize the next generation as if we had nothing to do with creating them. It's just magic. Get off my damn lawn, you right. crazy kids. <laughs> All right, so entitled, we don't like that one. Uh, one I hear a lot, particularly dealing with uh, the turnover that seems yep. to be coming in the workforce, that millennial workers are disloyal. What do right, you think of that? Right. And here in the Washington, D.C. area, there's some true to that the average millennial will leave her job every 11 months where nationally it's about two to three years 
The truth is that millennials aren't leaving for more money. They're leaving for more opportunity. The number one reason that millennials actually say that they're going to quit, which is different than other generations, according to Gallup, is they want training and development opportunities. So it's important for business leaders to understand that they're not just investing in, in their employees, they're investing in future leaders. Millennials don't want to have just professional development. We want personal development as well. It's interesting. Again, it seems so obvious when you describe it, but yet what I hear from many employers is, you know, these, these darn millennials, these they don't want right. to listen to me. They just want to go off and do their own thing. They're so independent, I can't manage them. What do you think of that? The truth is that millennials are really looking to people of other generations to provide uh, introspection, coaching, mentoring. Mentoring is a huge skill that millennials are looking for. Millennials want to have mentors and coaches in their life. In fact, companies that have formal mentoring programs have a two-time uh, higher retention rate of those young people because they're realizing that they're investing in their talent, their millennials are growing professionally, and they're excited about coming to work every day. <laughs> it's really interesting how as we're having this conversation, it, it is just a, it's just a question of framing, right? Right. It, one thing framing-wise, I'm a professor at one of the local business schools here. I, I spend a lot of time teaching. It seems to me that the millennial generation is addicted to tech. You know, right. if I the biggest challenge I often have in the lecture room is, is to get them to put down their phones. I yeah. hear that from people all the time. Are millennials addicted to tech? Yeah, that's one of the, the myths that I talk about in my book that's actually not a myth. Uh, the truth is that millennials are looking at our phones not only to see the world, but it's how the world sees us as well. Millennials are also known as digital natives, but the opportunity comes in how leaders are able to tap into that knowledge. We all are living in a tech-driven world, but how we use it whether it's going to be a tool or a distraction is absolutely up to us, whether we're 16 or 62. It's interesting there is I see a big generational difference. And tell me whether or not you, you think this is so. When I talk with uh, folks that are you know 18 to 25 about this issue, I'll say to them, God, you spend a lot of time online. And the answer is I spend a lot of time online, but that's not reality. Right. You know, uh, what I see is on Facebook, for example, a lot of baby boomers they actually think Facebook is about friends, but my impression is that digital natives really look at social media as a promotional tool, but it's not actually who they are. Is that right, true? Right, absolutely. I think that millennials do understand that our persona online is, is going to be very different, but it's funny you brought up Facebook because the fastest growing population on Facebook is not millennials, it's baby boomers, which is probably why my generation is leaving and going to Instagram. Exactly, and Snap and uh, and so forth. Right. You know, a number of years ago, uh, in my class at Maryland, uh, my entrepreneurship class, I do this every year. It's a group of millennials, and and we t we talk about what kind of business would you start. And every year, there were three or four teams that started businesses where social media businesses that didn't have their parents in it. Right. And now I don't see that anymore because I think what's happened is they've migrated away. Right, right. It's interesting to me, as you describe this, what I'm hearing is that millennials, in fact, are intensely engaged and interested in having interesting careers, will work like crazy for people that treat them with respect, are not actually independent for the sake of independence. They're independent because they want to be responsible. And they're using tech. Those, to me, describe people who are heavily engaged, yet again, I think an image a lot of people have of our young workers is that they're lazy and unmotivated right, and right. hang out on sofas. So what's up with that? Yeah, that's definitely a, a huge challenge to, to overcome. The truth is that millennials are not motivated by money. We're motivated by mission. Millennials are going to work for companies and buy products because of the core mission. Millennials care about three things. 
We care about the triple bottom line, the, the people, the profit, but of course the planet. So whether we're purchasing your product or coming to work for your company, we want to know that you have a, a higher purpose that you're serving with whatever you're doing. And millennials want to be a part of that. A big mistake many companies make is give money at the end of every year and never ask their employees where they should be giving to. Millennials want to be highly involved. We want to put our fingerprints on everything. And rather than seeing these five myths as something that's going to uh, hold a company back from growth, really seen as an opportunity to turn it around and ask those people in your company or in your community to be a part of bridging this gap themselves. So as you describe these personality attributes, I want to matter. I want to change things. Money may not be the most important right. thing, but empowerment. It sounds to me like DC is a place where all those things come together. I, I mean, this town must be a magnet for millennials. It is. Washington, D.C. consistently ranks in the top five locations for millennials to move to in the country because there's there's upward job mobility. Uh, there are great places for us to live, great places for us to work. But again, one of the biggest challenges is that millennials are moving around. So there's, there's almost too much opportunity. And there's this thing, FOMO, right? This fear of missing out, that millennials are highly competitive with ourselves, not necessarily with one another, which is an, a, another myth that we like to overcome as well. Well, as the largest demographic group in the United States, it's competition is going to be inevitable. Right. And the same thing happened with the baby boomers. Ultimately, that does shape how we look at the world. Who in this town as an employer, in your experience, is doing a really good job of motivating and managing millennials right now? One company that's really hitting out of the park is PwC. PwC has really been on the front lines of creating creative programs. For example, they actually have a student debt repayment program where they'll actually help repay their young employees' student debt. As a generation that has on average $38,000 in college debt, going to a company that's essentially saying, we want to invest back in you. We realize that you've taken a whole lot of debt and a whole lot of risk to get a great job. Now we want to actually invest back in you and show that we care just as much about your education as you do. So, Gabrielle, before I let you go, you've got a new book out. What's the book called and where can we find it? Five Millennial Miss. The Handbook for Managing and Motivating Millennials. And it's available on Amazon. It's newly released, our second edition. We're really excited about it. Great. Well, Gabrielle Boche, thank you very much for taking the time to share your expertise on this important demographic shift in our workforce. Thanks for having me. It is often described that Washington, D.C. and the surrounding communities are a hotbed for cybersecurity. But this is a trend. It's a big trend in employment. Chris Camacho is CEO of Ninja Jobs and Chief Strategy Officer at Flashpoint. He's in the middle of this and is going to share his perspective on why, in fact, the streets may be lined with gold. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. I'm excited to be here. Well, it seems to me, I keep hearing more and more, there are all these jobs that are being unfilled in cybersecurity and almost an insatiable demand. Ninja Jobs, this is what Ninja Jobs does, fills these jobs. What are you seeing here in the region? Oh, I'm seeing a lot of excitement. So we're seeing a lot of companies actually open up uh, security operations centers here or uh, regional offices here. And Ninja Jobs has first preview of who is coming and who is trying to staff all these positions, mostly because of the talent here, right? People that are coming from federal government or from various agencies or within industry themselves. So we've had the privilege of uh, taking these positions that you know all these companies are hiring for and then trying to find the right talent and place them into areas. Uh, we're also trying to convince startups, 
uh, and enterprises that Washington, D.C. region really is the hotbed for the future growth of information security staffing. For a long time now, people have been talking about the need to pivot away from the federal government to diversify the economy, and cybersecurity is an area that uh, has often been pointed to. You're seeing that now, it sounds like. Oh, we're definitely seeing that, yeah. Um, we're getting queries from folks in you know, Wall Street, you know, uh, how can you help us staff from federal government? Because we know the talent's there, we need to get uh, embedded in there, and we need to get them, you know, into the commercial space. So we're seeing that uh, enterprises uh, across the U.S. Uh, have considered the D.C. talent market because of their federal experience and because of the training and certifications that they've gone through uh, as the next generation of the pipelines after Silicon Valley and after New York. Uh, so, so we're excited about that. That's interesting to hear because over the years, when I would go out of D.C. and go to the parts of the country, Silicon Valley, for example, and I would talk about D.C., the phrase I would often hear to describe our workforce was, yeah, highly educated, but really risk adverse. But you're managing to get people to locate business or hire talent here. How are you overcoming this? Luckily for us, the millennials and the next generation uh, aren't as risk adverse. And, you know, uh, they are more adept to being, I'm not going to say aggressive, but take more risk, take more chances. So what we're seeing is that generation is leading the charge for the talent space here in D.C. area and also getting their uh, seniors, so people that have been in the industry longer, to also be more risk tolerant, which is great. So we're seeing folks that have been, at, for example, at places like the World Bank and IMF who were there 20 years understand that if you really want to work in this space, you need to uh, change your methodology, uh, be able to find and staff millennials and younger generations and adopt to the way that they think and what they're looking for in a work environment. Otherwise, they're not going to get the talent that they want. So, Do you think that baby boomers really understand the millennial workforce yet? Uh, I don't think they totally understand it, uh, but there is uh, there there is definitely a demand for them to understand it because even in our startup, Flashpoint, we actually opened up a regional office here in the D.C. area because we saw that the talent, uh, similar to what I was just describing from Ninja Jobs, is here. So uh, we see that some of our baby boomers uh, have adjusted to the way that millennials think and have also adjusted to the speed at which they work, which is obviously very aggressive, very fast, uh, and their style is much more different. So even though they at first had a hard time trying to understand how the millennials work, we're seeing that they're evolving and figuring out you know, how best to work with them. Now, as you look at the cybersecurity jobs and talent, uh, I make a differentiation in my own mind between what I would call cyber technician, you know, making sure that things just working right, and data scientists, artificial intelligence uh, experts, machine learning, and so forth. In other words, advanced technology engineers and, and uh, people who apply it. Are you seeing both or are you seeing more of one or the other? No, we're seeing all around. So we're seeing a lot of data scientists, a lot of data analytics. Uh, we're seeing um, a, a good trend of folks that are uh, having experience in everything that you said uh, coming out of uh, federal government. And, uh, and it's mostly because they know that their expertise is in demand. And I think uh, due to some concerns about the current administration, not about job security, but more about the mission. We're seeing that there's been a mass exodus as we speak. 
that it's been easier for us to place those folks into high-tech jobs that require those specific uh, skill sets that you're talking about. In, in some ways, because cybersecurity is so reliant upon and has been so reliant upon national security and clearances, does that mean that a lot of the workforce that's coming out isn't as concerned about immigration issues because they they have passports, they're naturalized? I would say so. Uh, and speaking on the clearance issue, uh, we're seeing that people are... Uh, uh, opting to not have their clearance anymore, not because not because they don't want it, but because there's a lot of enterprises that are hiring that can't hold it, and they're okay with losing it for the chance to go work in the commercial space for more money, uh, have a, a better work-life uh, balance, uh, and as well as you know the experience of being in the commercial space that hopefully elevates them further along their career. So the behavior you're describing would, in many ways, I would describe it as entrepreneurial. Very entrepreneurial, right? Yes. But this is entrepreneurship in the perspective of making a career choice to go work a large organization. Are you seeing similar activities or an infrastructure develop around entrepreneurship from the standpoint of company creation also? Uh, I am. Um, I, I've seen that. Uh, uh, companies, uh, because they're needing to hire this talent that's out there, are building R&D teams. Uh, they're building internal data analytics teams or threat intelligence teams or teams that weren't necessarily uh, line items as far as or, uh, teams within a security organization. And they're building these because they understand that the folks coming out have certain skill sets that don't match a specific, um, you know, endpoint or network or uh, analytics. They're generalists. So we are seeing a lot of convergence of fusion center type uh, positions that, you know, let me take advantage of everything I've learned and adopt it to multiple businesses. So when people say that cybersecurity provides almost an insatiable career opportunity, your answer to that is? Oh, definitely. I think the sky's the limit right now in information security. We're all, anybody that's in currently in information security is in the right uh, career. And anyone thinking about getting into information security is in the right path and uh, thinking the right uh, approach. So if you're listening and you're thinking about, geez, I know a lot about technology and artificial intelligence, data science, you name it, and I want to get out and be an entrepreneur or get involved in an entrepreneurial organization, you want to take the dive now. So says our guest, Chris Camacho, CEO of Ninja Jobs, Chief Strategy Officer of Flashpoint. Hey, man, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We believe there's such a need for authentic information that's positive and useful. You know, there are many, many people here in the D.C. region who get up every day and just get after creating new things and are committed to making our community better. My producer, Tracy Madigan, and I speak with people every day that tell us amazing stories of, that they want to share about the progress they're making, the things that they care about, and why they're proud to be part of the greater Washington community. You're going to meet many of them on this show. That's what working in Washington really means to us. Now more than ever, I feel that a positive voice is needed in our society, our communities. We need to make sure that we reach each other and that we work together. And we'll do our best to make sure that we're genuine and every show provides you with useful insights. Every week, we're going to bring topics that will keep you informed and engaged. And we hope will help you progress your business and your career. You'll be able to find our podcast on iTunes. Let us know what you think. And of course, follow us on Twitter at, at What's Working DC. I'm Jonathan Aberman. See you next week. I'm out.
You've been listening to What's Working in Washington, the power to get things done. Download this show or any of our weekly programs at federalnewsradio.com. What's Working in Washington, Monday afternoons at 2.30 on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m.